but to the glory of God, God has seen us through. And I'm happy to see all of us here. So we give glory to God. Amen. Today, actually, presiding Ed, I was supposed to preach, but I told him, no, I want to take it. And uh, the topic is going to be in series. So I think that I'll push you forward. I hope with your permission you allow me. Amen. We're going to talk about the life of the church. But today we're going to concentrate on the church. Then hopefully from next week, we dive deep into the life of the church. And I want you to open with me Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. In some versions, they say you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth is already lost in heaven. Amen. When we come to the topic of the church, it has been a very struggle in the mind and heart of many. Because the church as we see it it's not ordinary that man can understand with his mind. You cannot understand what Jesus meant about his church. It did happen that Jesus was moving with his people, I mean the disciples, and they go to a Sabbath called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus knew very well the time for his departure from this earth is short. So as a way of personal assessment about how people perceive about him, he decided to be sure if the work he did for three and a half years has really sunk into the hearts of men. So he asked his disciple, 
after he has gone to pray throughout the night and have descended and have decided to be with his disciple, he withdrew from the cloud and then began to have a discourse with his disciples and then asked, whom do people say I am? Whom do people say I am? Then we had a lot of responses which is written over there, which you just read, that some were saying that, uh, Jesus, you are a prophet. Some also says you are Elijah. And some also says that you are uh, the one who have come in the form of a spirit, but not physical. So there were so many arguments about the reason why people were describing Jesus that he is a prophet or whatever. It's all because of the things that were going on. There were false teachings peddling all over. So after Jesus saw the mind of the cloud, then he then zeroed in to his disciples. You are the very people I'm bequeathing or I'm empowering you for the intention that I have concerning the world. Whom do you say that I am? And to the glory of God, Peter, filled with the Spirit, I believe strongly that at that moment, it is the Spirit of God that came upon him. He then said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This short statement is the very reason why the church exists. The church cannot exist without this statement. And then Jesus said, you are Peter. Peter, in the, in the Greek word, it means Petra, Petros, which means a small rock. A small and a solid rock. But then, Jesus was also referring to another rock, which is Petra. It is a massive rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. In the circle of some religious sects, they think that this rock that Jesus was making reference to is Peter, but it's not. Jesus was referring to the very confession that Peter made, that upon that rock, I will build my church. So this response has dual responsibility. First, it reveals whom God is going to use to build the church, which is his son, Jesus Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living one. And the other session also shows responsibility. That is why if you read, Jesus told Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. It means authority and also responsibility. So the church, as we see, is built on Christ. 
how you think about this question and the response in actual fact would determine the destiny of you the Christian. The destiny of every Christian is tied to this statement. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It also shows how committed you will be to this very statement. It shows commitment. So Jesus wanted to know if they really know, they have really catch the vision. They have really catch the destiny that God has prepared for them. And also to know whether they are committed to that task. And until you know your destiny, you cannot be committed to it. Until you know whom you serve, you cannot dedicate your whole life to it. And also, it also stands for morality and justice. Your faith becomes what you profess. And your faith becomes what you believe. Your faith becomes what you live. Without faith, you can live anyhow. I quite remember in our old, in the, in, at our villages, our home, it is said that there are a lot of gods or others planted in the soil there. And with that, uh, who betides you a lady if you go after a man? And because of that thing, they know that if you do it, you will die. So the ladies in the house will never, never go and do anything to die. They believe in it and they know that if they go after their husbands, they will die. So faith determines the way we live. So Jesus wants to be sure that after I have gone, will you still maintain the faith? Will you still, still move, live in the faith that I have bequeathed unto you. Will you have that morality to live right and do what is just? Your faith determines declaration. The things that you declare. Because the gospel needs to be propagated. And until they understand the very reason why Jesus came, they cannot speak about the good news. So Jesus wanted to know all these things. So this confession is what the church is hooked up to. Some of the false and popular statements that the people were saying those times, I have already said some, is that Jesus was a great man and well-respected person. But I'm here to tell you Jesus transcend and exceed that kind of belief. Jesus is not just somebody who is respected and, or somebody who is well adored in society. If we talk about adoration and respect, even here we have a lot. Hallelujah. But Jesus is greater than mere respect and mere honor that we may seek to give to people. He is not an ordinary man. He is a special person. And also, some also were liking him to John the Baptist, and especially the believers of Herod, the Herodians, they believe, because that is what Herod also said. The Bible says that when uh, uh, the Herod, Herod was the one who killed 
John the Baptist. And when he heard that there was somebody around doing the things that John the Baptist was doing, then he said, this is John the Baptist who have resurrected. And he was able to see that thing into his people. And in the olden days, the heralds, they are people who are worshipped. So we have people who worship only the empire, who worship, worship only Herod. So they claim that he is a righteous spirit that has come. And somebody who was prepared to be martyred because John was killed, martyred. So this was their belief. If you read Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 to 2, you will see it there. At that time, Herod the governor was head of all this report, and this was his final decision about Jesus Christ. Some also said Elijah, but Jesus transcends Elijah. He's not Elijah. Neither is he a prophet. He's more than a prophet. And even in our time, we have people who want us to believe that Jesus is one of the prophets. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the one you serve, the one I serve, is not a prophet. Hallelujah. Before the prophet came, he exists. He told the people, before Abraham, I was. So he could not be any of the prophet. He is himself. Hallelujah. To some, they said Jeremiah. And also, he came to the disciples, and that is where we had the right response. And my question is, what is your perception about Jesus? To some Christians, all that they know Jesus to be is the mighty healer. Because one upon a time they were sick and they prayed and he healed them. To some, they thought that they were hungry and Jesus could feed them with five bread and two fishes. If that is how your faith or your perception is about Jesus, then you have to reorient your thinking. Jesus is above all the material things that is being supplied to us. Our confession is determined, determines our personal trust in God. It shows our personal trust and also our conviction about Jesus Christ. What is your conviction? What is your trust about him? A lot of people are just running here and there. Seeking for a savior, whereas they have the savior already. They are seeking for the Christ. And that word Christ means the anointed one. The one who has been approved by God. The one without him, nothing can be done. You have the Christ, but still running after other Christs. I want to tell you, if you run after other Christs, you will follow after Christs. And your life will be a mess. But if you believe and be convinced that you have the Christ right inside you and you are convinced and you trust him, I want to tell you, he will prove to you that indeed he is with you. Hallelujah. Also, this confession 
is in fulfillment of a prophetic statement that was given to the people of Israel. If you read Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10, he said, you are my witness, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know me. I hope you underline the statement. The servant whom I have chosen, that you may know me. So who is that chosen servant? That you must know. In a breath, he was talking as if he was referring to somebody. Then another breath, that you may know me. Take note of that. That you may know me and believe me and remain steadfast to me and understand that I am he. This prophecy was given to the people of Israel, to the Jews, by the prophet Isaiah. But when the reality came, they lost sight of him. They did not know that the very God that was speaking to them was the very person who came in the form of flesh. That they may know him that indeed he is the one. Before me, there was no God formed. Before Christ Jesus, there was no other form. Neither shall there be any after me. And if you read a verse 11, it says, I, even I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Even I, I am the Lord, beside me there is no Savior. Yet, here come a man in the, in the person of Jesus Claiming he's the savior of the world. It is the very person that was promised to the people of Israel that has appeared. But they lost sight of him. Because of their myopic mind, they couldn't, they didn't understand that prophecy. That Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus, as we see him, he is not just an ordinary man, but he is God himself. He is God. You are not happy, so you can't say amen. My Jesus, he is God. So that statement also shows that he is the very embodiment of God. Jesus is the very embodiment of God. So if you want to see God, if you see Jesus, you have seen God. So there is no need of you, people of Israel, looking for any other God anywhere. I'm the very person that I've come. I'm the Savior. I have come to save you. But I've chosen to come in the form of man. Hallelujah. So Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, is God. Is the approved one of God. The son of God. Who have the same being and the same substance of God. He has the same being. 
the same substance of God. He is one with the Father. So if you want to know the Father, seek for Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have him. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 is a popular verse. It said, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, I'm reading the Amplified Version, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God. He possesses it. So whoever have Jesus, have God. Whoever sees Jesus, have seen God. Did not think these equally with God. Was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. That is why he came down and took this earthly body upon himself. For one reason, to be able to shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, to die, to establish his church. Hallelujah. The reason why we are here is because of the death of Jesus Christ. The living God, the source, is of Christ Jesus. His life is of Christ Jesus. His power and everything is of God. So if you want the power of God, there is no need of you looking for any other God. That power is in God. If you see Jesus, you have seen God. Hallelujah. The confession is also the basis of the foundation of the church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gate of hell cannot prevail against it. In the case of Paul, he said, for no one can lay any other foundation on than what has been laid down. And that foundation is Christ Jesus. This is how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. No one can lay any foundation. So the foundation of the church is Christ. It means that you cannot do without him. You can live without the foundation. If you want life, you cannot live outside the foundation. It's when you are in the foundation. It's when you are planted on the foundation. That is when you have life. Say amen to that. What the church is not. The church is not a material thing as we see. The word church appeared in the New Testament 140 times. And there is none of these appearances that suggest that the church is the block, the wood, and also what? the ceilings and the things we see. The reason why we had building or edifice called church is that anytime one one goes to church, so, so traditionally, I'm going to church, isn't it? But what they want to suggest is that the church is a place or uh, is a place where 
the church meet. <laughs> the church is a place where the church comes to what? Gather. In the name of one thing, Jesus. So the Bible says, where two or three people are gathered in my name, I am there with them. So the church is the gathering. So as we are here, we are church. Hallelujah. So you are the church. So anytime we come here, we are here to gather. And as we come, Jesus is there. Hallelujah. And even as I speak, Jesus is here. If you believe that you have, we are church and we have come to assemble in the name of Jesus, just to worship Jesus, then Jesus is there. It means that there's, it's not all the gatherings that Jesus is found. Jesus can only be found if we are gathered in his name. As we are here, if our meeting is not the reason of Jesus, Jesus don't reside. This is just something else. Because Jesus is not living in this room. He lives in you. Hallelujah. He lives in you, the church. So if I want to see Jesus in the church, I have to come to you. And as I come to you, I have to see Jesus. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can come to this place a thousand times, but you will not see Jesus. But if you believe that the Jesus you want, you are the church and he's inside you, you will see him. God bless you for saying amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So it's not the material things we see. So as we go to church, we are going for gathering. It's the church that is going to gather. There are some statements in the Bible that really clearly uh, define this. In most of the quotations in Acts, you'll find out that the Bible do make this statement, the Lord added to the church. The Lord added to the church. That doesn't mean that he added building to building. He added men and women to the church. Those who have accepted Christ Jesus, those who have believed in him, those who allow themselves to be washed with the blood. He added them. So there is a need that new souls must be added to us. Hallelujah. He added to the church. And in most of Paul's greetings, he greets the church. So it tells us that it's not this edifice we, we are seeing. And also... There were some statements that the church were persecuted. So we have persecuting church. And as we are living here, we are all being persecuted one way or the other. We are going through some sort of suffering. One way or the other. Harassment here and there. So don't be surprised if you are in your office and maybe people want to coerce you to change some figures and you refuse to do and they begin to hate you. They will hate you because you don't belong to them. So we are being 
persecuted here and there. So when you are persecuted, allow. That is part of you. Hallelujah. The church as we see also is bigger than a denominational set. The church of Pentecost, Roman Catholic, whatever. The church is bigger than that. And that is what we call the universal church. The church that Jesus Christ came to die for is everybody who believes in Christ Jesus. All these denominations, they only brought uh, factions, isn't it? So as we are here, we are Christian. If a brother in action faith, living right, and he professed Christ Jesus as his Lord and personal Savior, he is part of the church. If there is somebody in Roman Catholic, but he believes in Christ, he believes that Jesus Christ has washed him with his blood, and he's prepared to follow Christ, he is my brother. We form the church. The church is universal. So you can't limit the church to a denomination. If you limit the church to a denomination, you'll be wrong. After all, what is all these denominations about? Doctrinal differences. Why do we get Church of Pentecost? Because McCune was sick and went in for some injections. They said, oh, yeah, 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 Bentua. So for the father, you've gone for a Bentua. You ceases to be part of us. So a denomination can disown you, but the universal church will never disown you. So the church is above denominations. The church is above denomination. If we do understand this, we will live in peace with each other. Wherever Christians are, you embrace them. There won't be any fight anywhere. The church also transcends nationalistic ideas. We have some nations that own some church as their own. And it is said that you can't be more cathedral than the Pope. <laughs> when he speaks final, hey, he's God. But we believe that we take our authority and inspiration from Christ Jesus the rock. He gives laws to us because he is the head of the church. And not any particular human being. So if you are in a church where it's like the bishops there, they feel that they are the boss of the church, then I advise you, you are not at the right place. Recently we heard that some people can turn themselves into snakes and dogs and so fast they could change to angels 
And recently, I was watching YouTube and I saw that they can now metamorphose into Christ, then into God. Yet you see people, learned people trooping in there. Who is your head? The one who becomes your God, you serve him. Isn't it? And people are ready to, to even die for a man who could die any moment. But the one who is the head of the church, he died, buried. On the third day, he resurrected. So the church transcends that. To some people, they also think that the church came as a result of the rejection of Jesus Christ by the Jews. And they always dwell on John chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Therefore, now as many that receive him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. To some people, that is their mind. I also have a different mind. Hallelujah. The Jews, though, it is claimed that they were the favorite of God. But I'm telling you, that was then. Now the favorite of God on this earth is the church. It's not the Jews. Last we went to 2016, we went for a conference there. When is it going to start then? You make a sign. Right. 2016, we went for a conference. And to my surprise, these people came out in their number with plaque saying, we have not, they use some terms. We have, we have not uh, Judaize you, so don't come and Christianize us. And at the breath on one of the plagues, I saw Jesus you worship, we don't know him. Hey, as the Savior. I said, wow. So, though they forfeited that prophecy, it doesn't mean that Jesus was meant for them. God was having a universal purpose. That is why he came. Jesus came for all mankind. He never came to the Jews. And whoever will say that, I will forever defend it. The root of the Jews is from the Gentiles. Abraham was also a Gentile from the Chaldeans, a place called Ir. And God told Abraham that leave your home, leave your ancestry, and go to the place that I will do what? Show you. Blessing, I will bless you. If read Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 going. And through you, the whole earth will be blessed. He didn't 
I mean, box that idea into a small box. But it was what? Universal. That was the promise given to Abraham. The difference is Abraham believed God and it was accredited unto him righteous. And he became the father of faith. Hello? So right from Abraham's time, the purpose of God has been defined. So it is not true that Jesus came for the Jews. That statement was there because he himself is a born Jew from the tribe of what? Judah. A heir of David. But his very people whom he came from, they rejected him. So that statement is not suggesting anything salvific. It's rather suggesting that Jesus came out of them just as I am uh, uh, Adam. Are you getting it? And I was born out of Adam, but with a purpose to save the whole country. Are you getting it? Okay, mostly let me use Kwame Nkrumah. He is coming from what? Ekrofo, isn't it? He came from Ekrofo, but he now became a national figure. Now, even Ekrofo, they don't celebrate him. Who are those who celebrate him? Ghana. Is it clear? So Jesus came out of that place. And eventually, you expect that you should be accepted by your own people. But yes, the case wasn't as accepted. And it, it was clear. He did say it. That a prophet is not what? Accepted in his own home. So that is what that statement is about. So don't let anybody create that inferiority into your mind. We Gentiles, we had part in the salvific plan. But it all came in the time of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. The church is composed of genuine believers out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nations. God had in mind to raise his own ethnic generation. Okay, I will end right now. If you read Galatians, I will end from here. Then next week we'll continue. I said it's serious. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. There is now no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, you are all in Christ Jesus. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Whether I speak Ewe, whether I speak Tree, whether I speak Kusasi, whether I speak whatever language is Zima, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Even if you are frafra, we are all one people. Eh? We are one people. So as we meet together 
we must have that sense of unity within us that we are the church planted on Christ Jesus with a unified purpose. I pray that the good Lord will open our minds and give us understanding. Hallelujah. So, as I've already said, we will end here, and next week, we will continue. Amen.